Hello and welcome to According to John. Today, well, first off, I got to say welcome back, the Duke Meister. In five days since we've sat at the table together, it's been a while. I'm like, I've been suffering through Florida winter, drop all the way down to sixty-five degrees sometimes. So you know what I noticed? You have a tan, and I don't. I should have went to the tanning salon before you got here. <laughs> Hey, we had fun when you came to Florida. Spent we did a podcast together down there. Yeah, how about that? Yes. It was good. Yeah, my partner, ready to go. I have missed I'm you, jacked. brother. I have missed you. Hey, welcome to According to John. I am your host, John Westfall, and this is my co-host, Pastor Duke Herget, the Duke Meister, back from Florida. We're back on this, trying to get some questions answered, and. Uh, man, let, look, let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we're just going to jump in here. Brother, oh. uh, I think you're the one that needs prayer for being absent so long. So go ahead and open okay, us. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for opportunity to share the word of God with people who seek you, who love you. Pray that you'll use our efforts, our study to bring edification, joy, strength, and correction uh, to all who hear. Thank you for the privilege of being your children and uh, all the promises that await us. We love you and we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, that you ended that amen a little bit from the well, south. Just, I just spent, <laughs> spent a week in South Carolina. Dude, so I, it's funny. I tell people that the southern draw jumps on people like a tick on a hound dog. It does. <laughs> I try to teach them to drink some coffee down there, but they're not interested. I can't <laughs> wait to hear what you're going to sound like after a year. That's going to be funny. Leave me dude. alone, Shiny. That's going to be funny. Alone. <laughs> hey, guys, today we're going to talk about or answer the question How should a Christian view politics? So, we might be a little uh, controversial today, huh, John? <laughs> I think controversial, opinionated, biblical, and whatever else we you know can come what? up with. The most important word you just said for the whole podcast biblical. Biblical. I think we're going to see that biblically, this is a big arena. It is. And I, this arena divides a lot of people. Mm-hmm. All right. How should a Christian view politics? Ooh. Let me jump in. Please. Bible says, let your moderation be known unto all men, which would uh, be another way of saying, be cautious of extremes. I just drove through uh, Amish country on my way home from Florida and Mennonite country. And I have respect for a lot of these people. Anybody truly loves Jesus and they view politics differently than I do. I I respect these people. I'm not down on them. But they would be kind of the extreme where they have absolutely nothing to do with it. Right. But they suffer the consequences of it. They're just absolutely, don't touch it. It's not a part of what we even think about. That's an extreme on one side. There are other churches, uh, especially I find it in the African-American community where the politicians actually go into the churches, stand in the pulpits, Pulpit. and are endorsed, uh, radically endorsed uh, by uh, the pastors and elders of those churches. The, the sad part is the majority of those churches have the left wing in or that's interesting isn't it 
It is. It's it's interesting. Yeah. And so I would say those are uh, two extremes where it just it's right in the pulpit and you're told who to vote for and why. Now, there's another thing that I think is very important kind of foundationally as we begin to explore this is uh, let your moderation be made known unto all men. And uh, the historic American thing uh, was always thrown in our face because I have some uh, political involvement, okay? And I've had people throw it in my face that uh, separation of church and state, like that's a Bible verse. Right. Well, most people, they throw that out there because I don't want to hear about your Jesus in my morality. I think you're exactly right. And so keep it separate. But when that law was made or when it was established, it was keep the church or keep the state out of the church. Nowhere is it to keep the church out of the state. Yeah. And it was never in our founding father and the any of the documents of independence not in the uh, constitution it was a letter written by john adams to a baptist pastor in rhode island assuring him that this the state will not try to come in and control the church right it was never uh it's not a bible verse it's not in right. the constitution it was just a balance of powers mm-hmm. and when you understand the context in which that was written a personal letter from a founding father to a Baptist preacher, separation of church and state to assure them we're not going to take over the situation. Because that was the issue and why America was founded. Yes. So that that, that never happened again. It's what drove those people to America yes. because of persecution from yes. government. Huge thing. State religion. They didn't want it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So that puts that into context. Now, going to the words of Jesus, as we begin to lay the political, uh, historical foundation and the words of Jesus, when he said that we, he's called us to be salt and light. light. Now, that's going to affect politics. I think that commands us to be biblically uh, aware of Judeo-Christian morality, to stand upon it and proclaim it. And that will cause us to be involved to some degree in politics it well it has to and that is what we're going to talk about right as followers of christ what should be our attitude and our involvement with politics now why do you think that abortion was off the table for so long it was because of the church mm-hmm. why do you think there are so many laws today and why we had such good morality for so many years in America. And there was also a study done and you and I talked about this in one of our podcasts. There was a study done where they wanted to figure out what made America so strong and prosperous. Mm -hmm. And in the study, they realized that it wasn't the politics. It wasn't Anything other than the church. Mm -hmm. De Torqueville from France said, as he came to seek the uh, secret of the greatness of America, he said, I did not find it in the halls of Congress. I did not find it in the, uh, uh, the classrooms of the universities. I did not find it in the offices or the factory floors. I did not find it. 
um, in, in the culture of the people. It wasn't until I visited the, the churches church. of America. Mm-hmm. And when there was a strong church influence upon culture, we had laws on sodomy. It wasn't easy to get a divorce in those days. That's right. Because there were some biblical things about divorce or God's plan for is sort of like one man to be with one woman right. forever. And so there was a sodomy laws. There were divorce laws. Which, by the way, the problem is not with marriage. The problem is with the attitude of those in the marriage. Yeah. That's the problem. And if they would adjust their attitude, the marriage will take care of itself. I found marriage to be a lot of fun. Right? But you know why? Because both of you have the same mind, the same heart, and the same attitude. And today, they're like, oh, I fell out of love. No, you didn't fall out of love. You changed your mind and your attitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you allowed the world to pollute that. And that is what has happened in politics. Mm -hmm. They've allowed the world, and when I say they, I'm talking you and people and if this if this is where you're at you have allowed or the majority the the majority of the people and i say majority including churches some not all have allowed the attitude of the world to pollute the mind of the christian and the church and now we've become like the world and so really when people say in the when christians say, oh, you can't bring politics in church or you can't talk about politics from the pulpit. What they're really saying is the law has given me the right to sin and you don't need to correct me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think you're right. I wish you weren't right. But yeah. I think you are. So kind of going back to what you said a moment ago, there was a strong influence of the church of Jesus in the culture and the politics and the founding documents of America. And as we have gone through the centuries now into our third century as a nation, we see the waning influence of Christ's church in our culture. That doesn't surprise us when we put that alongside the prophecies, evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived in the latter days. But, uh, we're in a day now where people, kind of what you just said, they don't really want the church right. to be of any influence in our culture. Well, I look at, you know, we're, this is in uh, uh, Passion Week, right? From, from this. yeah, from Palm Sunday to Easter. That's Passion Week. And so uh, this is Tuesday of Passion Week. And it is probably go up next Tuesday uh, after Easter. But what I find interesting is, politically speaking, they could do nothing. The, the Pharisees, the scribes, the chief priests, they constantly said, don't touch Jesus now because the multitude think he's a prophet and they knew that they couldn't deal with the power of the people. And so they waited. But all they waited for was the right time to change the mind of the people, and then the power went to them. And the, the exact same thing has happened today. If you were to go back 30, 40 years ago, they would never have done in office what they're doing today, and lawlessness would not be abounding, meaning that the law wouldn't keep the law, because the heart of the people was still with Jesus. 
And it wasn't until the heart of the people left the church and joined the government, which is where we are today, that now the, the, the government is empowered to be corrupt because the mind of the people, the, the populace of the people are no longer with the church. They're with the Pharisees, the scribes, and the crooked. And we saw it back then. And we see the same thing today. The church is only as strong as, as the stand that they take. And what we have found with the church is the silence of the church has brought about the slaughter of the lamb. Yeah, make that statement again, John. That's powerful. The silence of the church has brought about or the slaughter of the lamb. And the problem is the silence of the church today is still slaughtering the lamb and the sheep. And we have given the politics, the power instead of giving God the power in the people, Mm -hmm. the majority sways the culture. The majority used to be the church Duke. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was a child, everybody on our block went to church except one family Mm -hmm. And when it came time to go to church, they just pulled their blinds down so nobody could see that they were home. And when the churches were all done, they'd raise their blinds and go about their life. But everybody on the block knew that family doesn't go to church. Boy, now there might be one or two families on the block. Listen, the church church. was the center of town. Yeah. The church was the meeting place. The church was the town hall. The church was the school. The church the church was everything. And when it was everything, the country prospered. Yeah, there's a, I, I think it's in Proverbs. It says, when the righteous rule, the people rejoice. But when the evil rule, uh, the people they suffer. They groan. And they groan, yeah. And, and where are we at today? We're groaning. The people are groaning. But the most amazing thing is, including the church, they're groaning, but they're not turning. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't understand that, dude. Why is it that we know what is right to do, but we don't do it? It's the power of the populace and uh, peer pressure. Uh, or is it the perversion of the heart? It's both. Yeah. Yeah, it's both. The perversion of the heart kind of b- blends together. But I, I remember feeling, even as an unsaved a child, we have to go to church so God will bless us. I didn't know salvation is by grace. But there seemed to be like there will be some kind of favor upon recognizing God. But when, uh, I can't, there's a phrase, maybe it'll come to your mind, but it, it, it talks about the influence of uh, God in a culture. But when God is taken away from the culture, government sort of becomes God. Somebody, somebody will rule the culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the people choose it because remember we, I said in the very beginning, the populace was with Jesus. So that's why they wouldn't touch him. Mm-hmm. Seven days later, the populace was with the government and they killed Jesus. Now that's extremely interesting. You bring that up in the light of politics because I think there was something that he said on Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday. He was teaching in the temple of Passion Week. When they cried out on Palm Sundays, he's coming down the hill on the donkey, which was prophesied 450 years before in the scripture, 
more than that. It was almost 800 years, 800 years yeah. before uh, coming lowly on a donkey, uh, riding into Jerusalem. He fulfilled that prophecy. And um, they were saying, they were crying out with passion, mm-hmm. Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. And for many years, I did not know what that word Hosanna meant. I just thought it meant, yippee for Jesus. We love you. You rock. You're awesome. That's not what it meant. It meant save us yeah. Now it's in the imperative move. They were commanding Jesus to save right. them from their sins. No, save them from, from Roman tyranny, political oppression. Yes. There yeah. you go. So we try to separate mm-hmm. politics from reality. It's like, no, let's just be biblically balanced and just throw out the whole, yeah. well, that's po- political or that's religious. No, just they're, they're all intermingled. Yeah. And so well, I, just real quick before we leave it, I actually looked up Hosanna and did a study on it, and it was, it's save us now, and literally in Hosanna means two things, and it depends on who's crying it out. Mm-hmm. Today, if Christians cry it out, it's a praise to Jesus, mm-hmm. but in Judaism, it's an expression of uh, crying out for divine intervention, intervention divine yeah. relief. Save us, save us now. And so when we see in coming in, here comes Jesus and they're like, oh, we've seen everything he'll do. So save us, save us, you have the power. And then when when they found out that, wait a minute, the Pharisees are, they have him captured and he can't save himself. Crucify him, crucify him. I think there's something he said on Wednesday, teaching in the temple of Passion Week that caused that change. They're expecting him to be the Messiah, which he sort of is, just mm-hmm. they didn't know when he's going to save them from Not the sort of. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. Messiah. <laughs> yeah. But th- he's going to pay for their sin first, and then the whole political thing he'll take care of at his second advent. So right. now he's at the temple, and they're trying to trick him, the, the leaders. They show him the coin. What are we doing? That's on Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. And he said, Shall we pay taxes to yeah. Caesar? And he said, render unto Caesar. What is Caesar's? And unto God. What is God's? And they did not want to hear that. They, they wanted nothing to do with Caesar. So that's political. Yeah. They were trying to put Jesus into the little political frame. And I think that's a problem. I don't want to try to get Jesus into my political thing. Right. Uh, is, is, was Jesus a Republican or a Democrat? No. Uh, that's the wrong Total wrong approach. Yeah. I think it's not so much getting Jesus in the politics as much as it is if you love Jesus and you know Jesus, you have to stand on the right side of politics. Yes. Amen. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> but, and I think that's where it's at. And, and the problem is with churches, right? Because uh, it's been said you can't mix religion with politics. If you don't mix it, then politics dominate religion and religion kills the people yep yep you have to mix it you, yeah you you have to it's like I'm, I'm we're breathing right now we're breathing there's a lot of hydrogen coming in and that's not really doing us that much good but the oxygen mm-hmm. we need and it's it's mixed and that's where i think people really get unbalanced they're right. saying you can't have any of it in yeah. and then they're saying well you have to have all of it in it's like wait a minute 
uh, the person of Jesus, the morality of Jesus, obedience to Jesus will affect our politics. Mm-hmm. And we don't it, preach politics. We preach Jesus. But, but even if you're not speaking politics, you're voting politics and you're living politics and you're supporting politics. If you stand against a church, you're standing for the world. If you vote for transgenderism, that whole dysphoria and and even though you're a Christian, you're like, oh, I support that. Guess what? You are standing with the politics of the world. And you're like, well, I didn't vote for it. No, but you supported it. That means you are for it. You can't separate you can't separate your Christianity walk from the politics of the world. This, you can't do it. A, a obedient, biblical, close walk with Jesus will have you defining doctrinal political views, yep. moral views, and, you know, middle of the road mm-hmm. is not anywhere Jesus was at. If you're not for me, you're against me. You're against so me. check this out. People are like, oh, well, you know, I'm just kind of on the fence. Let me help you out. Satan owns the fence. Yeah, yeah. I love this uh, little phrase. The only thing you find in the, in the middle of the road are dead skunks and yellow lines. <laughs> that want nothing to do with any of that. Right. But, uh, and, and. Okay, I got to be cautious here because I'm so passionate. Passion? <laughs> Johnny Westfall, passionate? Hey, that's what y'all and me, we, we love about you, Johnny. I am, because for me, it is not gray. And, and gray is compromising. It's black or white. Jesus says you're for me or you're against me. And so if the law goes against the scriptures and you support that, you're against God. I mean, there, there, there's, there's nothing else. Now, we can use situations to justify our stance, but it doesn't change the fact. Mm-hmm. And here's what I'm finding. Like, for example, on the homosexuality agenda and same-sex marriage and transgenderism and all that. What I'm truly in awe about to be quite honest with you is for most people prior to a loved one coming out of the closet they were against it and then the loved one comes out of the closet and then they're all of a sudden they support it because they don't want to alienate the loved one but they have no problem alienating god Mm -hmm. like like you can't duke you can't you Choose this day whom you will serve. Well, we either get our theology from the Word of God or we get it from um, situation ethics. Yeah. And uh, situation ethics will one day stand before God, and we're going to find out God wasn't kidding mm-hmm. on these issues. Yeah. So Yeah, and it's not situation ethics, but that's what people live right now. Um, it's the ethics you have before the situation comes. And if you don't have scriptural ethics then you you go with the flow you go with the flow and uh, god has a flow and his his uh his word will endure forever and it will win it will win eternity mm-hmm. or we can go with this world's flow and and deny god and stay right. passive um <laughs> it's so popular today to be passive yeah jesus was not passive jesus was passionate i i took a i made a stand um two weeks ago with last week whatever it was and i put a podcast up you have the right to know i put it on youtube youtube uh flags it which was really interesting because 
the uh, Gleason, which is Gay, Lesbian, Straight Educational Network, they contacted YouTube, told them that I stole their video. So YouTube gives me a hard strike, takes it down off my channel, blah, 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 blah. I put it back up, but this time I didn't put it on YouTube. I put it on my podcast. And as I'm putting it on my podcast, I stated all the laws that allowed me to put it on my podcast, right? When I, when I put all of this out there, YouTube takes it down. And some people were like, hey, John, um, you don't need to get involved with this because you're a pastor and what happens if they come after the church? And I said, if we are silent, they're coming after the church anyway. If we speak, they're coming after the church anyway. And so why don't we just take a stand and slow their progress down from coming after the church? Yeah, they're like, you said they are coming They're, after the church. Whether I, whether I speak or I'm quiet, mm -hmm. we're already the deplorables. We're all, we are already the problem in society. So why not be a vocal problem and why not be a, a problem that is a benefit to society rather than the problem that's destroying society? And I want to go down... I, listen, I want God to look at me and go, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want God to look at me and say, man, you fought the good fight. Well, I'm going to defend you biblically here. You ready? Please. God <laughs> raised up prophets. And the prophets were not to go to the uh, city council and find out what are the neighborhood uh, community approved positions and then fall in line with that. No, God spoke to the prophet. He said, cry right. aloud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their sin. They were not called to passivity. They were That's not right. called to neutrality. They were called to proclaim truth. Now it's interesting. We talk about all the separation of church and state thing, which is just a twist. It's just to silence the church. That's all it is. It's yeah. down. It's yeah. to put down, to criticize the voice of the prophetic voice of right. the church, right. which you are a proclaimer of truth. Well, but look at Paul did, man. Paul went before King Agrippa and he laid out the whole gospel. As a matter of fact, he laid out the whole gospel to the point where Agrippa said, almost, Paul, almost you persuaded me to be a Christian. And Paul said, you and everybody else here. You need to jump in. Or, you know, kind of a turn or burn sermon, wasn't it? It was. Yeah, it was. Now, I wanted to look at and uh, on some great people in the Bible. How about Daniel? put God, put Daniel, who is a Jew, in the heart and center as prime minister of Babylon right. underneath Nebuchadnezzar. That was a placement of God, of one of his greatest servants of all time. Right smack in, in the middle of politics. Yeah. <laughs> and then when Babylon fell to Persia, the Persians weren't stupid. The Persians saw Daniel said, that dude rocks. Bring we him over. Him to be our prime minister. <laughs> 
Yeah, and uh, boy, I tell you what, God used the Persians to uh, protect the Jews, to rebuild the uh, temple in Jerusalem, Persian tax dollars, and to mm-hmm. rebuild the wall under Nehemiah. And, and all because of the influence of a Christian. Yeah, a, a follower of Jesus, yep. or a follower of God, of God. Uh, Daniel. They were just like the next leaders beneath him. Um, yeah, God put Joseph... <laughs> as prime minister of Egypt. That was a placement of God yep. uh, in the smack dead of, of the world political power of his day. Well, in, in Daniel 4, 34 through 35, it says, And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me. <laughs> God moved in such a way that he caught hold of it. And I blessed the most high and praised and honor, honored him who lives forever for his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom is from generation to generation. Verse 35, all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He, God, does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand. Mm -hmm. And so God moves men where he wants them to do his will and you and I and nobody else will be able to stop that. So don't you think we should stand on his side? I think David did. There was an opening for the kingship of Israel. God found a man after his own heart. Did David bring a little bit of, uh, let's say, religion? We know it's relationship. Sure. But they would say religion into his uh his political kingship. Absolutely. He stood on the word of God, brought forth justice, biblical justice, swift uh, justice in a judiciary, and the people celebrated. And then Solomon walked in wisdom in the early days of his administration. And so, well, real quick to give a verse and then pick up. You pick you up after do that, John. You always drag Bible. Right. Verse, verse 21 of Daniel, <laughs> da- Daniel 21 Uh, I'm sorry, Daniel chapter 2, verse 21. And he changes the times and the seasons, he being God. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Just what you were saying about David and Solomon. Yeah. Yeah. Here's here's where I landed when I was lead pastor for 32 years. I found myself uh, very politically aware. I was... uh, on the board of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, uh, and very politically aware. I used to go to a lobby in uh, the Capitol every year, speak to my um, congressmen, senators. My senator was from my church. <laughs> Got to speak at the Senate and lead in prayer and all that kind of stuff. So I was very involved in politics. But I wanted to have a balance. I didn't want to tell people as their pastor, you should vote this way or not. But here's what I did. I, I didn't really go into trade issues and all of that. The, the moral issues, life is the, you know, abortion is, is the main one and then sodomy and things like that. But take the moral issues and then I would take a candidate. I don't care what party is. If I vote for somebody on their, on their position, not their party, because I right. found a lot of, uh, a lot of sin in both parties. Let me, let me tell you something. And you know this and you just said it. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. If you're paying attention to anything in politics today, they're both running the same rat race. 
Yeah. And they're coming in tie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I take a candidate's uh, profession of his position and uh, even leave off the party. That's just the candidate. Free, free yeah. on the party. What does a candidate believe? What does he say he'll vote on if, if he or she is elected into office? And so if a, and I even had meet the candidates nights where nice. they would come to the church and give their position. And, uh, of course, uh, I found that the Republicans were very willing to do that because they kind of already knew our position. And I found uh, an occasional Democrat that would come and give their position. And uh, I had a couple Democrats, uh, I don't know if you remember, um, oh, oh, no, I'm just uh, drawing, Sam Stratton from the Capital Region here. He was a, a lifetime uh, a congressman from our, our area as a Democrat but he was conservative. Mm-hmm. Sam came to our church and he took the right biblical moral right. position and he voted it right. as a Democrat. It's like, cool. Right. He was uh, different from me on maybe trade or, or this or that. But when it came to life, came to Israel, when it came to uh, sodomy and pedophilia and things like it, spot on. So what do you think about really change? Yeah, because now we have a Supreme Court woman I'm not even going to say Supreme Court justice because uh, using the word justice with her. It'd be a stretch. <laughs> they just don't go together. So this Supreme Court woman who, number one, this is how far down we have went. Can't tell you what a woman is, even though she is a woman. Well, she's not a biologist. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like standing in the rain and asking someone, is it going to, is it raining? And you saying, I don't know. I'm not a meteorologist. I, I mean, don't know if the house is on fire. I'm not a fireman. <laughs> and then she is the most lenient judge on pedophilia. She thinks they're born that way, so they have no control. So why should she punish them? Yeah. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on. Uh, uh. Well, what we have is we have a biblical standard that we try to go by in um, history of Western civilization has mm-hmm. historically gone by. And now we've thrown that out. The word of God is out in our schools. And we have a new morality, which is ancient immorality. And we're in the day that the prophets said where they will call evil good and good evil. And lawlessness will abound which is simply the law will not keep the law not that there's more criminals but that those who are supposed to arrest the criminals are not arresting them because they're criminals themselves catch and release is for fishing not for (laughs) law enforcement (laughs) that's exactly right Uh, so yesterday a dump truck overturned just about 500 feet from my house and what was happening was there was a police car making a left-hand turn and there was a car coming and the police car made the left-hand turn and hit the car that was coming head on. The dump truck was coming down the hill behind the police officer and uh, tried to avoid the accident, could not avoid the accident, ended up turning and rolling over the dump truck on its side. So it all happened. Which is probably there. better than running into the other vehicles. Yeah. Yeah. What was real interesting was I asked the police because I was standing out there and I said, hey, 
who's at fault here? And they go, oh, without question, the dump truck driver. And I was like, oh, okay. Which I didn't know because I didn't, I didn't see it. So then I was standing on the step talking to my neighbor and the accident landed, well, half the truck landed in her yard. So I asked her, I said, um, who's the, who's at fault here? Did you see this? And she said, well, I didn't see it, but the lady that the, when the dump truck overturned, the, all the gravel fell out on her hood. She stopped just in time before the truck rolled over on top of her. She gave, she got out of the car and was talking to the police and gave, uh, being the eyewitness, right? Probably the closest one. And she said, well, the police officer turned left in front of the red car. The red car hit the police officer. The truck tried to go out around, couldn't go out around, end up rolling the dump truck. Now the police said it's the dump truck's fault. The eyewitnesses said mm-hmm. it's the police officer's fault. Guess who's probably going to get blamed for this? I would guess in today's world, the truck driver, the truck driver. Yeah. And I wasn't there. I didn't see it. I'm just telling you what I was told, but it doesn't shock me. Lawlessness will abound, protect the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, uh, uh, dude, yeah, it's, any rate, it's frustrating. Is it that, you know, yeah. that's, that's a common denominator. We're all wanting some evil heads to roll and we're not seeing it. But, you know, I'm comforted because Jesus is coming back to deliver us from this present evil world. And when he does, he takes us to the Father's house. He takes his hand off of this world for a little while, seven years, if you study uh, the eschatology prophetically. And then he returns with his church to set up his kingdom and you know how many evil heads are going to roll? All of them. Oh, All of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's my consolation. One of the here's what we do know about where should we stand when it comes to politics. When it comes to the law, we obey the law. The scripture's clear. And I'm going to use 1 Peter here because it's very interesting. Or Peter says here in 1 Peter 2, 13 through 15 says, therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may uh, put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. To keep this in proper perspective. That's a big word there, Johnny. Perspective. Proceed. Thank you. <laughs> because what we find in the Gospels, Peter and the other disciples were preaching Jesus, and they were arrested. And they were arrested, and they I'm sorry, in, in Acts we find it, that they were arrested for preaching the Gospel, And then they said, we'll let you go, but you do not speak of God anymore. And then Peter says, do we listen to God or do we listen to men? And as soon as they were released, they went right out into the streets immediately and started preaching the gospel. So they were completely defiant against authority. I think that's what you call civil disobedience. Civil disobedience. So, so if we look at civil disobedience and we say, should people be civilly disobedient, 
Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. When they want you to violate the word of God. No. Because we don't do it for any other reason. Wow. Well, well said, Johnny. In my worldview, I, I know we have the same one. We have the scriptures, and that's what those guys said. We have the word of God. Mm -hmm. Then we have, in America, we have a constitution. Mm -hmm. And then we have Congress to establish law. Mm -hmm. But the constitution is above the law and Supreme Court to interpret. We have law. And then now, just in the last couple of years, we have a whole new thing called mandates that we have found violate the our, law the law <laughs> and the constitution and the government knew it's outside of constitutional order and so they have the enforcement of the mandate through business businesses and osha and, and and it's money that drives that. Yeah, yeah. So it's put the Church of Jesus in a new and uncomfortable position yes. to interpret. I've had lots of wonderful pastors call me and spoke hours and hours and hours, hundreds of hours on this topic. We know that the Egyptian handmaids, uh, or, or what do you call it, the birth mothers, what do you... The oh, word? yeah, house... Uh, house the women who help the ladies have the babies. <laughs> I've just gone blank. They're like man. birthing mothers. Yes, you know what I'm saying. Uh, it'll what come are they? Too <laughs> Google it up real quick while I'm talking. <laughs> man, a lot of brain cells died in 69 for me. What year did you? So the the gals in Egypt were helping the Hebrew women. I don't women. even have my phone. <laughs> they, Pharaoh commanded them to kill the baby boys. Right. And they, right. they civilly disobeyed yeah they the, did the political law of right. pharaoh that was right, an edict right, right. and god blessed them for it right because they submitted themselves to a higher law the moral right, right. law and boy i never thought i'd be tested on this like i have been the last two years uh, civil disobedience and, yeah and dude listen i've i've had people leave my church because i'm preaching the word of god and I'm pointing at the politics and I'm telling the people the politics are violating the word of God. So you stand on the word of God and people afterwards will say, you have no right to speak politics in the church. Are, are you kidding me? If we don't stand, we're going to fall. And if the church doesn't stand, it's going to be taken out by politics because you are either empowering the house of God or you're empowering the house of government. And the house of government doesn't care about the house of God because the house of government considers the house of God as getting in the way. You see, this would be an extreme, but... And again, it goes back to Jesus. And I'm sorry, I've, but it goes back to Jesus where, listen, the, the power of the politicians was subverted as long as the power of the people was standing. And when the power of the people quit taking the stand, the power of the politicians wiped out our savior. Yep. Under different kinds of laws, like, uh, suppress the church. Oh my goodness. Go back to history. Say, <laughs> say employment, say, take them. I'm going to give an example here. Employment laws, equal opportunity employment. And I'm kind of for that, you know, men, women should get paid an equal amount of money for doing a job as a man. I I'm all about equal. I don't have a problem with equal 
opportunity or equal pay. But how dare you tell me I have to hire someone that's not qualified just because? Well, see, that's where I'm coming with this. You're going to like this, John. I'm listening. So we're I'm shutting hire, up. I'm, we're gonna, gonna, <laughs> I'm muting my mic. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we are having a. Uh, we're going to hire a youth pastor. So we have a Buddhist lesbian monk come to apply for our youth pastor position, right? I knew you'd like this, Johnny. Hold on. Let me go, you buddy. You're loving this. Turn your a, mic back on. A lesbian monk. Buddhist monk. Buddhist. Yeah. When did that start happening? Well, when did that start I'm just talking about the law. Go ahead. And so, the, so here we are. We're going to hire, and then we decide that we are not going to hire the lesbian Buddhist monk to be our youth pastor because of religious convictions. Okay? Right? So we are in civil disobedience here, bro. Right. We got, right. you know, we're going to. I can't believe. Go ahead. Johnny yeah. loves me for many oh reasons. Oh, my goodness. He just loves me a little bit more right now uh, than he did five minutes I ago. I do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a slippery slope, I think you might say. And I think. But, a- but they have, they've passed laws where now churches have to start bringing in homosexuals and transgenders on their staff. You realize that, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it, it becomes glaringly apparent that civil disobedience is in the near future of the church. Uh, I, I actually, it's in the history. I hope it I mean, is. We, my, my family has taken a stand uh, on things. Uh, this past December uh, 14th, our governor in New York, Hochul, passed a new mandate. And actually, she didn't even do it. She just made a statement. She made a statement. It didn't even go through. And everybody bowed down. Not everybody. It was a press. <laughs> yeah, uh, not everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my whole family just locked. I'm so proud of them. I have two teenagers, junior and senior, at uh, Boston Spa High School, and they led a revolt. Yeah, grandchildren. <laughs> uh, not Matt, they're yeah, not grand, his teenagers. They're yeah, his grandchildren. grandchildren. <laughs> they led a revolt at Boston Spa High School. And the thing is, these yeah. kids who led the revolt were all National Honor Society people. They were the best mm. of the best. And these kids knew what they were going to do and they knew why and they yeah. did their homework. And, you know, it's really, I was really blessed. The, the principal of the school and the teachers had great respect for these kids who took a stand on this new mask mandate and they brought them into the library and the news came and the TV stations. And they, they really kind of honored mm-hmm. these kids for this because the kids weren't just being rebellious. They were just saying enough's enough. Yeah. The government should not be able to put us under this kind of discomfort we're done. We're done with this. And so I was kind of proud of my grandchildren who were uh, civilly disobedient in upstate New York. Made me kind of happy. Right. But this is something that if we don't begin to take a stand on little things, pretty soon the church will almost be no more. You know, it's interesting when Jesus talks about the seven churches of Asia in Revelation chapter one or chapter two and three, it warned the one church if they don't get right that he'll remove the candlestick. Mm. Revelation yep. one says that candlestick is is the church. So a church can cease to be a church in God's eyes when they violate scripture to some degree. How far, I don't know. The church at Corinth had a lot of problems and they were still a church. 
So I'm not here to de- to determine what is and what isn't a church, but, but God warned us about that. So it is time to stand on the Word of God without apology, not looking to a survey of what is popular or unpopular, what is the community standard. The standard was given long ago in the eternal, infallible, inerrant Word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. That will be the 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 book that is opened in the end and i know you like what i just said i uh, love it matter of fact i'm gonna give you a point <laughs> a point i'm gonna give you a wow. point you're in oh you already gave me a cup of coffee and a point, man. <laughs> what a day welcome home from florida right listen one of satan's grandest deceptions is that we can rest our hope for cultural morality and godly living in politicians and government officials and government has said, and I don't know if you know this, because I'm going to tell you, we cannot rest our hope in that. California has passed a law or getting ready to pass a law that they're going to pay anyone who come, anyone who tells them that they're transgender, they get $900 a month for life. Have you heard that? I, I did not. Yeah. Yeah. Check Google. Well, it. I'm not surprised. Yeah. $900 a month. And so what are people doing? They're flocking to the government. Hey, don't work. We'll pay you. They stay home and be lazy. The government is literally becoming cultural morality, and they're dictating godly living or ungodly living, and people are flowing with this because of greed. Greed. They're buying They're buying their position, people's position, right? They're owning these people. They're, they're owning them. Yeah. And so... I want you to understand that the church's position, God-given purpose, is to preach the gospel. But in preaching the gospel, we also have to stand against ungodliness. Yes. God moves the church to influence culture. God gave the church to influence government. And when we don't, the government and the culture will soon dictate to the church. Yeah, ex- absolutely. And another, political I, entities— I think that's worth another point, Johnny. Almost, because I haven't gotten one yet. Listen, the political entities are not the savior of the world, and yet that's what they're trying to be. And and as you stated, it it can't. And Matthew five sixteen says this: as we follow the teachings of Scripture, we become the light of the world. We become the salt of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That let your light shine before men includes the government. Absolutely. We have to take a stand. Guys, listen, I want you to understand that salvation is for all mankind. And salvation is of God and not of the politicians. Let me jump in in closing. Martin Luther King, Baptist preacher, took a stand on moral issue. And they hit it with nonviolence. They hit it with prayer doing the next right thing and God's hand was on it. And there was a huge improvement in the racial relations in America under Martin Luther King. Now we violated all, all yep. of his positions and things have gone, have gotten worse. So guys, let's get back to the things of God. So it gets better. Hey, right. I hope that this podcast has helped you. And if it has, please like share, subscribe and follow. And until next time, God bless. <laughs>